We are starting a new sermon series today, and I want to apologize because I do not have a live event today. I know, it stinks, huh? So, but you can still use it. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm a slacker. I'm a slacker. Just didn't, it didn't work out, it just didn't work out for me. So, uh, sometimes, sometimes, how many of us know sometimes uh, programs can be fidgety? You know, it's modern technology, and then you start getting used to it, and then when it doesn't work the way you want it to work, then what happens? Then you get mad at it. So it's like, you know, you, it's like you didn't really even, you know, need to use it at first. Then you start using it, and then you get used to it, and then you get like, err, you then get mad. So I'm, I, I promise you, I did not get mad at the U version uh, software this morning when I was trying to do it. I didn't. So just like, oh, well. So we're doing a, a new sermon series called Pew Sitters to Pillars. Well, what is that? That's kind of weird sounding, isn't it? Well, it's just a fun. It's just fun words of us for the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about spiritual growth. So, so you know, we, we like to try to have more creative ways of just saying, okay, we're going to talk about spiritual growth. No, we're going to go from pew sitters to pillars. That sounds a little more fun, right? So it's basically spiritual growth, and so you know, we're basically going to be talking about from you know the beginning of your spiritual walk. And then going from a place where you first start to where you find yourself making a difference and making an impact in people's lives. And so, friends, the Lord really does, does want to make us a pillar. He really does want to make, turn us into pillars. Well, what's a pillar? If you look in the, the, sec, the second definition of pillar, if you look at dictionary.com or you go on Google because nobody actually pulls out dictionaries anymore. Anybody actually pull out a dictionary anymore? Raise your hand if you pull out. Okay, we got one guy. Raise your hand if you still use the yellow pages. Raise your hand. There's, there's two people. Okay. So, so Google is the way to go if you need to know anything. If you want to know a scripture verse, Google. You want to know a definition. So a pillar, the, the second definition of, of a pillar is a person or thing regarded as reliable, providing essential support for something. So it's, it's describing a person or a thing. And so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a person that is reliable. Okay, a person who is a pillar is someone that's tough enough to allow weight to lean on it. Peter uses this illustration that we are like spiritual bricks being built up. So it's kind of fun that we're talking about being becoming a pillar because in 1 Peter chapter 2 Peter talks about us and this spiritual like the spiritual house is being built. And this is what he says in verse 4 he says, "You are coming to Christ, those uh, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. Say, living stones. Oh, come on. Hold on here. We got to, come on. Okay. 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 This is not a monologue. This is not a lecture. This is a dialogue. So let's try this again. Living stones. One, two, three. Living stone. All right. That's a lot better. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay. What's more is you are God's holy priest. You are his holy priest. Through the... Um, through the mediation of Jesus, you offer spiritual sacrifices that pleases God. As the scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. The cornerstone is Jesus, obviously. And anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. So, so in a nutshell, Peter is using like this illustration of us being these spiritual stones that's building a spiritual place or building the kingdom of God or building, it says, a spiritual temple. And, and Jesus is called the chief cornerstone. So you're going to be a pillar. You're going to be someone that God is building with and on, right? We together are the building blocks in Christ. 
okay, we are building the kingdom of God together. I truly believe the Lord wants to lean on us. Do you know that? I believe the Lord wants to lean on you today. Kind of like that old song, lean on me. I believe he really does. I believe he wants to lean on us a little bit. Okay, obviously we, we rely on him. We, we grab a hold of him. He's our everything. But I believe God wants to lean on us. What does that mean? That I believe he wants to, he wants to trust us with the responsibility of what? Of the gospel. That's leaning on us. That's God trusting us with this incredible message of hope and life through Jesus. He's, he's leaning on us. He's trusting you today. I believe he really wants to do that with the responsibility of the gospel. Seeing people turn from their sin and turn to the Lord, turning to Jesus. And the scripture says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, that salvation is found in nobody else. Acts chapter 4. <laughs> He's like, oh, sorry, that's my son. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. It says, there's salvation in no other else. In no <laughs> there's salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. No other name. It's Jesus. Say Jesus. Oh, come on, man. See, this is... Say this one more. Come on. Okay, every time I ask you to speak, you're going to have to, like, put a little oomph into it. So say Jesus. 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 All right, yeah, because see... Yeah, we got, I want this room to echo when you talk. So I'm going to speak loud. I want you to speak loud. Just pretend like I'm your spouse and you're mad at me. So I know it's in you. It's in there. We'll just pull it out of you. <laughs> like, yeah, we've, we're used to that. Some of you guys might have practiced that this morning, getting ready for church. Got a little loud mouth. It just, it just it happens. Not me. My wife was still in bed. Okay. So God wants to make, make us pillars, and, and there's this illustration in, in, the, in the Old Testament when Solomon's temple is being built, and that they actually named these two huge, mighty pillars. One of them is named Jachin, which means he shall establish, and the other one is named Boaz, which means in him is strength. Friends, God wants to make us pillars just like Jachin and Boaz. So we're going to go into, this is going to be real simple. This is a real simple message, friends. We're going to talk about four S's of spiritual growth. Say four S's. Four S's. Yeah, see, we got it, of spiritual growth. So we're going to talk about surrender, seek, share, and serve. So number one, surrender. What are we surrendering? Okay, surrendering our life fully. Say fully. fully. Fully to God. There's a lot of people that surrender. They surrender. Well, I surrender my life, but there's a, there's a surrendering fully that I believe the Lord wants to do in us. So what is that? What does that mean to surrender? Well, it basically means you hand God the keys of your life, and you tell him to drive from now on. That's what it is. When you surrender, you're basically, it's just like Carrie Underwood said, Jesus, take the wheel. She got it right. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, take, take the wheel. That's what surrendering is. Surrendering is you handing your life over to the Lord, and you say, okay, Lord, you, you're, you're now in charge, and I'm, I'm no longer in charge. And so that's what, that's what a full surrendered life looks like. And so, and in that, when we surrender, you know, it may look different in different scenarios. So for me, when I first committed my life to Christ almost 20 years ago, I, I legitimately had to surrender drugs and alcohol in that lifestyle. I mean, that was, that was something that I, that was, you know, that was my life. That's what I did. And so for me, that's what, that's what surrender looked like for me. You know, I know a buddy of mine, when he committed his life to Christ, 
what surrender looked like for him was he owned a chain of liquor stores. And when he committed his life to Christ, the Lord spoke to him about, you know, to stop doing that. And so he got rid of the liquor stores, you know, and then, he, you know, he started a plumbing business. You know, I mean, so, you know, I know another person, when they surrendered their life to Christ, they had this construction company, and the Lord spoke to them, and they, they sold off the construction company, and they moved to Haiti, and they used all of their resources and talents to, to help rebuild houses and things like that when, when, when that whole Hurricane Katrina uh, went through all that. So, so surrender in a, in a, may look different in each scenario. You know, surrender for me may look is going to look different than surrender for Bailey, okay? Surrender for me may look very similar to surrender with Jonas. And so you see in the scriptures that people surrender their lives. One of the greatest examples of a person who surrendered himself is Zacchaeus. So if you got your Bible, how many people actually bring their Bible to church? Hold it up. Hold it proud. Hold it up. You're going to give an air, I'm going to give you an air high five for all you who bring your Bible to church. And for those of you who bring your smartphone to church because you use version, you can hold that up too. Bam. Oh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Technology. Feel the power. Luke chapter 19. We're going to read 10 verses here in Luke because I believe this story is just so incredible about this man, Zacchaeus. So verse 1, you can follow right along on the screens or follow along on your small screens or follow along on your Bible. However, whatever works best for you. Verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region. He had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Say too short. Anybody here have short problems? Short people problems? Short people problems? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. I'll tell you what, I, I, you know, at 6'3", I have, I have had, on a handful of occasions, have had old ladies ask me to grab something on top of a shelf at a, at a grocery store for, for some, and, and I'm cool. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, absolutely. I, there was a Walmart worker that was trying to do something. They said, can you? I'm like, oh yeah, that's no problem. You know, so Okay, short people. So Zacchaeus had a short person problem. Okay, here we go. Go ahead and go to the next one. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. So you got to figure out, he, this guy was, you know, he is smart. He's like, you know, we're going we're gonna to figure out a way around my, I can't see above people. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road for Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 5. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Cool. Zacchaeus quickly cried. How many of us, if Jesus was to invite themselves over to our house, be like, no wait, Jesus, let me go home. I got to go clean up my house first. <laughs> wait, hold on. You don't, no, 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 no. Here, let me take you out to lunch, Jesus. We'll take you. <laughs> Take you over here. We'll take you over. What, what's that place that we just went to last weekend? What's that place called? The Chowders? We'll take you over to Chowders. Yeah, that place is pretty good. So Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his home in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He had gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Verse 8. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Whoa, you went too fast for me. <laughs> too fast, Joshua. I will give half of my, my wealth to the poor, and if I have cheated, this is important, friends, if I, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Wow. Jesus re re responded, 
Salvation has come to, to this house today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. So what did surrender look like for Zacchaeus? What surrender looked like for Zacchaeus was he was no longer going to cheat people and steal people's money. You seeing what surrender looked like and what, it got, what did Jesus say? He said, salvation has truly come. So, so, when, so a surrendered life may look different. Zacchaeus' surrendered life looked different than my surrendered life. And your surrendered life may look different than your spouse's surrendered life. Okay? So a surrendered life. So friends, that's the first, the very first thing. If you, to, for spiritual growth, for, for us to go from a place where we're just kind of sitting and, and, and observing to a place where God starts doing a work in our life, it, the key word is surrender. That's the key word. Say this with me. Say surrender. See, you guys, you got it this time. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says this. It says, my old nature has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, so that I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that's what it is. A surrendered life is saying it's no longer I, no longer Josh Hester, the notorious sinner on North Toledo that lives, but it is Christ that lives in me. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be a pastor or be a preacher or you can go start preaching on the corners. If the Lord tells you to do that, do it. But a surrendered life, what does a surrendered life look for you? Okay? The Lord will speak to you. I can't tell you what that looks like. I know it means starting to say no from sin. I know that. But what does that look like for you personally? Well, only you can figure that out. You have to trust God and see what he says. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. Mindy will like this one. It says, and yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. So what is that? A surrendered life is allowing God to do in us what he wants to do. Has anybody here ever played with clay before? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's a lot of fun because you what? You have this lump of gunk, and you create whatever whatever's in your mind to create. You form it and fashion it, and you wet it, and you... And you play with it, and then if you, you know, you might put it in a kiln and, you know, and make this cup that's lopsided or whatever. But you, what? You take this thing that's nothing, it's just like a hunk of mud, dirt, and you form it into something that is usable, something that's useful, something that's a tool. And that's what God, that's what our lives are. You know, God takes us and he forms and fashions us the very way he wants to do it. So if you don't like the way that he's poking and, and, and you know, yeah. You take that up with him because he knows what he's doing in our life. Okay? And it, it, it's, not always, it's not always fun. You know, I mean, I, I, I've, I've never really, like, used one of those spinning wheel thingies, but I know, like, sometimes when they start doing it and it's not working and then it flops and then what they got to do? They got to, like, jam it back down into, a, into like, a, like, a ball again and restart over. So if you, see, if you feel like God's restarting over, <laughs> maybe there's some stuff he's really trying to work out. So it's not fun. But there's something that's beautiful that's going to come out of it. And so we trust him. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 and 35. Oh, this is a good one. It says, in calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross and follow me. For if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. So for those that are trying to hold on, it's just so, surrender, it means you don't hold on any longer. So, you know, if, you know, and this is probably not the best illustration, but it's the one that comes close to my head, is, you know, like a police officer. You know, if a police officer pulls a gun 
and they say, stick them up, what do they want? They want you to what? Surrender. They're putting your hands up so that you're not going to what? Fight them or shoot them or whatever. And so that's what it is. It's, it's you know, what you behind your back. You know, put your hands up. Put them where I can see and Put them behind your head. You know, I mean, it's just kind of what? You're, you're putting yourself in a position for the police officer to subdue you. And not saying that God is a police officer, but, you know, I mean, sometimes we just need to be subdued. <laughs> we just, from time to time, you know, we just, I, need, I know I need to be subdued from time to time. God's got to get in there and kind of do his thing. So number two, okay, enough on surrender. Not some of you guys, you know, that's, that's the tough one. Number two, seek. So the four S's of spiritual growth, number one is surrender. Number two is seek. Seek God through word and prayer. The word, what's the word? That's the Bible. So seek God through the word and through prayer. So in order for us to go from pew sitters to pillars, we need to seek God through word and through prayer. He told his disciples, he told them, he said, he didn't tell them, come and believe in me. What did he say to them? He said, come, follow me. So what is that? That's following after Jesus. So, you know, uh, a number of years ago, I kind of changed the terminology. You know, I don't, I don't say I'm a believer. I am a believer, but I don't use that term, and it's just my own thing. I say I'm a follower. Because the Bible says even the demons believe and shudder. I mean, I don't want to be just a believer, quote, unquote. I want to be a follower. I want to follow Christ. Where he goes, I want to go. What he says, I want to say. What he does, I want to do. You know, and that's just, I mean, that's just a little quirk, and, you know, don't build a religion on it, and don't go quoting it and putting it on, you know, whatever. But there's something about, like, that, yeah, tweet it. Don't tweet it. Facebook it. Snapchat it. All that stuff. But there's something about putting action behind just a belief. You know, it's not just a belief. It's action that's behind that. So, so seeking God, seeking after him through prayer, through the word, following after him. You know, ultimately, you know, when we begin to get a hold of the word, I'm telling you, friends, it'll change your life. It'll turn your life upside down. The word, it's not just a good book. It's not just an old historical document. The scripture says, the Bible is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart, meaning that the word of the Lord, when it gets inside of you, it starts doing something inside of you, and it will change your life forever. That's why it's imperative. If you are a follower of Christ in here, it's imperative for you to make time to, to allow the word to, to get in, in, into your heart. When I first got saved, I remember I was working at FedEx, and, uh, and I believe this man was a godsend. I remember his name, was, his name was Emmanuel, and I've never connected with him. This was, you know, almost 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, probably yeah, right, right around 20 years ago because when I first got saved. And so uh, I was working in FedEx. I was working in a trailer with this guy and come to find out he was a believer. I, you know, I was new in my journey and stuff. And so he said, do you, have you ever memorized scripture? I'm like, no, never memorized scripture. He said, well, let's do that. So the very first scripture that he had me memorize, it was Psalm 119, verse 9 and 11. But I, I'm going to read verse 11 for you today. And this is what it says. The, verse 9 says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. And then verse 11, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. That was the very first, first scripture verse that I ever memorized. And it's something that, that has still been in there for 20 years. That his word I have hidden in my heart so that I don't sin against him. Right? You know, that's what, you know, it's, it's like this, this right here. This ring on my finger. It's what? It's a symbol of what? Of my covenant and my commitment that I've made to my wife. And so when I look at this thing, 
I'm just, it's, it's, it reminds me of, of this thing, you know, and there's been, I mean, there's times I'm going through my day and I just, and I just like look at my ring and it's just kind of a, a reminder. Friends, you know, there's, there's, and my, there's times my wife's not there and I look at my ring and it's, it, it just reminds me of this, of this covenant I've made. Friends, when, sometimes you don't have the, the word of the Lord with you, you know, sometimes your, your phone is now on the charger and, or you left your Bible at home, but when you, but when you put it in your heart, Friends, it, 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 you know, when you're away from it, it's there. Does that make sense? Like it's with you. Your word I've hidden that I might not sin. Friends, it's imperative. You've got to seek God through the word. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 29. I love this. It says, but if from there you seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. If you're having a hard time finding the Lord, then seek him, friends. The scripture says, seek me. It says, it says in uh, James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. That's amazing. I love that. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I know we got a lot of scripture. I just had, I just like buttloaded this thing full of, full of scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, uh-oh, and he rewards those who say earnestly, yeah, come on. Those who earnestly seek him. Anybody here ever have like a few pennies drop out of your pocket? Yeah? So we've had one person. Anybody, anybody here have some like loose change fall out of your pocket here? Okay, okay. So, we've, so we've had a few. Some, so so the, some of you in here have never experienced loose change from falling out of your pocket. Okay? You poor thing. So, so let's, let's, just, let's just put you in this, this pretend scenario where you've had this happen before. And if you had had this happen... You know, so what happens if you drop a few pennies? They pop out of your pocket, and then they go. You're at the grocery, you're at the gas station, and they got the little gum rack, and the few pennies pop out of your pocket, and they go rolling under the, the the thing. Who in here actually gets down on all fours and goes and after goes after those pennies? Yeah, one person here, two people. Okay. For the most part, me included, I'm not chasing after a few pennies, right? Now, if that's a twenty dollar bill. That popped out, right? And it somehow, like the wind blew it and it like went under there. You'd get on all fours and you'd be chasing that, right? What? There's a difference between earnestly seeking and then it's just like, eh, it went down there and I don't really care. And I believe some people in their spiritual life, it's kind of like that. So their spiritual walk is like, God's like, earnestly seek after me. And it's like, ah, eh, it's just like a few pennies. But in some people's life, when he says earnestly seeking me, they're like, oh man, it's like, I just like, I lost my wallet. Right? There's an earnestness, friends, and so the scripture says that we must that we must believe that he exists and he rewards. You want a reward from God? You know what, you know what the reward that it is when you seek him? You find him. He becomes your reward. So it's not like you get money or success or fame. No, because friends, I mean, I mean, in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures evermore. So if God, so if you seek him and he comes and he shows up with you, oh man, you're set. It's, it's a good day. You can just, you know, go ahead and chuck that off as, yep, good day. God showed up. <laughs> he met with me. That was a good day. Somebody needs to say amen right there. That was a good one. So I want to meet with God. I like meeting with him. He's good. He's a good daddy. Okay, enough. Let's go to number three. The third S is share your faith. This is where it gets tricky for a lot of people. Well, I'm shy. I'm shy too. What's your excuse? 
I am naturally an introvert. This is, I tell people that, like, oh, no way, yes, really. Like, like, I'm, like, really, like, not naturally outgoing. Like, like, when I first committed my life to Christ, like, I didn't like to talk to people. Like, I'm, you know, I didn't pray. I didn't like to pray, like, in circles and out loud. But there was this, as, as Jeremiah said, there's this fire that shut up in my bones where I had to say something. Because there, was, because there was this passion for God inside that I just, I can't keep my mouth shut. My wife will tell you, like in our first, in our early years of marriage, we'd be sitting at a restaurant and we'd be enjoying our, our meal. And then I would look over and I'd see these two ladies and they're talking and the one's like weeping and crying. And I'm just like, dang, man, she's going through some stuff. And I started eating my food and the Lord's like, well, go say something to her. I'm like, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm having a good time with my wife here. But then, you know, I mean, anybody here ever, ever experienced, you know, the, the, the prodding of the Holy Spirit, you know, where he just kind of, <laughs> so he, he doesn't leave you alone, you know. So my wife would see my face, and I'm like having this wrestling match inside of my heart, and she'd be like, what's going on? Huh? I'm like, I feel like God wants me to go over and talk to these people. She's like, well, let's go. I'm like, no, wait, hold on. Because <laughs> my wife is very, I mean, she's outgoing. She'll talk to anybody. I mean, she just, that's how she is. I mean, she makes friends wherever she gets. I'm like, talk to strangers. What are you talking about? I mean, when we first started doing our, uh, so then, you know, we would go over and talk and then pray and whatever else would happen. When we first started doing our banquets, we do two major uh, fundraisers because, uh, you know, our inner city ministry uh, in South Toledo and one of them being banquet. So banquet is a room filled with people that you don't know. So my wife, she's like, woohoo. She's like going around talking to each table and everybody. And for me, I'm like cringing. I'm like, I got to go talk to people. You know, so you don't, so I'm, I'm, I'm just being transparent. I'm letting you know what goes on inside here. So it's not natural. You know, I mean, but for some people, it's very natural. And so, so, there's, so you, you, cannot, you cannot be with excuse. Well, I'm shy. Well, I don't like, you know, because guess what? Me too. The very first time I ever preached, I threw up before I talk. Seriously. So, yeah. And then after 20 years, it becomes more natural. It's just like anything else. You know, you ride your bike. It just becomes more natural. You take the training wheels off. So, and now I don't have a problem now when people come to banquet now, like I said, it's been like almost 10 years. I don't cringe when I'm talking to people. I can actually, it's become a lot more natural because, you know, it's like a muscle, you use it or, or whatever. Now, if I was to stop doing it, I probably would become a hermit again and just like not talk to people. So share your faith, friends. That, uh, people, uh, that spiritual maturity, spiritual growth means you're a person that's willing to share what you believe. And now you don't have to be all crazy and freakish about it. I believe some of the most incredible ministry happens naturally when you're talking with people. You know, there's not, no, don't get me wrong. There's times God will have you do something radical. I mean, he'll, he'll probably ask you to do something radical this week. I mean, it's just how he works. But I've, no, I've noticed some of the best ministry happens when it's just like natural. Like I remember one, uh, one time my wife and I, we were, um, we were going through Walmart and this woman, I mean, you could just tell. I mean, she was just having such a bad day. And I just said, I said, Ma'am, are you okay? Can we pray for you? Do it. She just started crying, like right there on the line, you know. She's, she's like <laughs> crying, and she's like ringing our stuff up, and we just pray for her right there, you know. Just bless her, you know. God loves you. He's there, you know. She lost. She broke up with this guy who was a loser, and blah blah blah. So, but what was, I mean, it was just, and we didn't make it all crazy, and we just prayed for her, and you know, and just went about our way. I mean, there's, I mean, you know, I mean, now that might be kind of radical if you've never done anything like that. But I believe the Lord really does want us to be people that share our faith, and, and he'll bring it into everyday conversations. Some of the best things, uh, I, I would share, when I worked at FedEx, uh, 
it, it made it real easy. The best way that I always shared my faith, I didn't say, you know, you got to get saved and you got to give your heart to Christ. I never, I never did anything like that. I've never ministered like that. When I worked at FedEx, um, <laughs> it's just like, amen. <laughs> eat this Bible, eat it, eat it, eat it. <laughs> when, when I worked at FedEx, um, uh, I was a, uh, before, before I was a switcher, I used to be a trainer. And so I would be inside, inside a trailer. And so every week they would bring people in and I would train them. So I just, I, I'm, I'm dialoguing with a person. Hey, how are you doing? What do you do with your life? What are you doing? And so, and, I, and I'm, I, I'd ask them all about themselves and talk to them and all this other stuff. Well, what do you do? Or what, you know? And I would just, and I would just say, you know, I'm a children's minister because that's why I was a children's, I'm a children's minister over here and we minister to people. And I would just start telling them about myself. And out of that, out of me just telling them about them, then dialogue about God would start happening. Oh, well, you know, well, I used to go to church or, you know, and then what is that? Then that's like, that was like the bridge. I never like pushed my beliefs on people. And I'll tell you, I, I've had numerous times where I prayed for people right there in, in, inside, inside the, the truck. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just natural. And so I, sharing your faith, when you love God, public displays of affection happen. You know, like the person that's married. I mean, it may be awkward for another person. If you're like, have you ever like stood behind somebody and they're like all like these guys right here, like in line, you know, they're all hugging and you're like, ugh, you know, <laughs> you know, sometimes people, I mean, they're just public displays of affection. You know, it's the same thing when, when you love, when you love God, I mean, you display your affection by sharing what he's done. Just kind of easy. Romans chapter one, verse 16. I remember this. This was like, this is not this verse, but, but there's a, a Bible verse where Jesus says, if you are ashamed of me in front of man, I will be ashamed of you in front of my Father in heaven. I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm not going to be ashamed of you anymore. Romans 1.16, and it's hard, man. I mean, sometimes, you know, and, and if people don't want to talk about it, cool, then don't. Romans 1.16 says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Amen, you're a Gentile in here, unless you're Jewish. So, so salvation is for you. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. It says that we are to go into all the world, preach the gospel to all crea creation. Some people, well, I'm not called to preach. Well, well, here's a good one right here. Psalms 96, verse 3. It says, uh, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the people. That's preaching. That's sharing your faith. Just, just, just talking about what God's doing. Say talking about what God's doing. It's talking about what God's doing. Psalm 105, verse 1. It says, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he's done. Sharing your faith. Back in Psalms, sharing your faith. And then, of course, the big, the beautiful, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, the Great Commission, where it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very ends of the age. You know what the cool thing is? The cool thing is, is when you're sharing your faith, usually when I start talking to somebody about my faith, I, have, I do not know what I'm going to talk about before that. Why? Because the scripture says in the book of Acts, it says, don't worry about what to say to the Lord. It says, it's, he's telling the disciples, he says, for the Holy Spirit will give you the very words. And he's talking about when Paul's going to be in front of, you know, leaders and be in front of judges and all these people. The Lord will give you the right words to say. And that's, I'll tell you, if, if you, you know, I mean, I've taken the EE classes, I've done the, you know, the evangelism classes and the five points. I mean, I've done all that stuff, and, and, and those are all great tools, but I'm telling you, man, some of the most best ministries when it's natural, and when the Lord, man, the Lord, and if the Lord, I mean, you, and if you're listening to the Lord, it's, it's awesome, 
You know, if the Lord speaks through you through a prophetic word or something like that, or, or uses a word of knowledge. I, I'm going to share one more story. I still got time. I got eight minutes. So, so um, I remember there was... Um, I remember there was this uh, uh, over in South Toledo, right in South and Broadway. I mean, we, we always have this stuff happen. I mean, there's always people that come up and ask for money and all that type of stuff. And so there was this guy that came in, and he was, um, he was asking for money for his. I mean, most of you have probably heard this before, so bear with me. He was asking for money. We've, I've had this happen numerous times. Asking for money. And so I, I've kind of trained people. If somebody's asking for money and they're saying that, you know, they need gas, well, the Scripture says if somebody asks for your coat, you know, give them your shirt as well. So go the, go the extra mile. So if you really do want to be a blessing to them, then take them to the gas station and put gas in their car. So this guy comes, you know, cause, but, and if it's, if it's legitimate, it'll be legitimate. If it's a story because they want to smoke crack, then that'll be revealed, obviously, because they won't take your charity. So, so this guy comes, and he's asking, he's like, you know, hey, I, you know, my car's, you know, I need gas. I'm out of gas. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, I got a gas can. Let me grab it. I'll come meet you. He's like, I got a gas can at my house. I live like a block away. I'm like, okay, cool. So I take him over to his house. He's like, well, let me get this gas can. And so he goes in. He comes back out. He's like, you know what, man? I know you're trying to do all this, but, man, all I need is like 2 or $3. And he's like, that's all I need. I said, no, man, you don't get this. You know, you're asking me, you know, uh, for, for help, and I want to go above and beyond. Not only am I going to put gas in your, in your gas tank, in your gas can, we're going to put it in your car. I'm going to take your gas car, and we're going to take it to the gas station. I'm going to fill it up for you. He's like, oh, man, you, you don't have to do all that. I'm like, yeah, man, I want to bless you. He's like, okay. And then he goes back in, comes back out, and he's like, he's like man, I, you know, I don't mean to trouble you. You're trying, you want to do all this, and all I need is a few dollars. So at this point, I mean, the, you know, the Lord, obviously, this guy's, you know, scamming and stuff. But, this is, but the difference is the Holy Spirit just started speaking to me. And so I just started speaking what I, what I, felt, what I felt the Lord hearing. And, dude, this guy's face dropped, and uh, he started weeping because the Holy Spirit started, was calling him on his stuff. And uh, he was like, he was like, I need you to pray for me right now. And so right there on the street, started praying for him. You know, uh, obviously he had addiction and things. And so, so as I was done praying for him, you know, he's wiping his tears and he's like, man, I don't, you know, um, you know, he's like, and I'm like, I'm like, I know he's, he's like trying to apologize for this, you know, because he's so you know embarrassed about his 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 problem and stuff. I said, I said, I get it, you know, and I, and then I, I I pull out some money and I go to give him money. He's like, no, no, I don't want your money. I'm like. I'm like, I'm like, you, you know, you, you know, I know you're trying to scam me and I know this, that, and the other, but I really feel like I want to give you some money. And so I hand him the money and as he's going to grab it, I said, in the name of Jesus, you use this for yourself. Don't use it for drugs. And I, and I gave him some money. But what was that? That was like a natural conversation of me witnessing to somebody. And you know what I mean? And it was, but just being led by the Holy Spirit. And I didn't go through the five steps of, but, and those are good. So sharing your faith, I mean, and it should just be uh, very natural. And I, and the more you do it, the easier it becomes. So share your faith. That's it. Number four, serve. Just one word. <laughs> serve. Four S's of spiritual growth. We have surrender, seek, share, and finally, serve. Serve the Lord. Serve people. Be a servant. Some, now, for some of us, for me, <laughs> that's not the easiest thing. You know, I wish the scripture said, be served, not to serve. Because, I mean, that's, I mean, it, that's more easier you know, but it doesn't. It says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom. So, now there are people in here this room that have a natural gift of serving. Man, you are a servant. You will go the extra mile. You'll go forever. I mean, it's just so natural for you. I envy you. Lay hands on me. Give me your gift. Because it's really, um, for me, it's not, I mean, serving is not natural. I mean, that's, 
you know, you obviously have to do it. So, so, but serving, there's something about when you give outside of yourself instead of being selfish, when you do something for someone else, there's something that causes maturity inside of you on a spiritual level. Do you know that? There's something about serving that causes you to grow. And so, like, when I first got saved, I had a, a mentor of mine, and so he used to, he used to uh, preach down at the juvenile jails, and of course, you know, that's where I was at at one time and had a heart for people, you know, young people that were doing that. And so he brought me alongside him and, and just said, hey, you know, we're going to come and we're going to, you know, love on these young men, and then, you know, we'd do that. And then uh, and he was like, okay, I'm going to have you share a message, share a testimony, and this, that, and the other. And so I would actually go with him. We'd go there. We would go to NOIC, which is uh, a place for people that have mental illnesses, and we'd do a small service and stuff. And so I just started serving, and there was something that happened inside of me when I started giving that, I mean, it just caused my, my, my spiritual walk to explode when I just started serving, and I started looking outside of myself. And so serving is, is a, man, there's something supernatural when you give outside of receiving. I mean, there's just, it's just powerful. And so there are just so many opportunities to serve. <laughs> We're going to use this as a commercial. You can serve here at Vision Waterville. If you call Vision Waterville your home, I mean, we have plenty of opportunities to serve here. I mean, so, so we have a setup team. We have a teardown team. I mean, you can serve like right here, right now in like a few minutes. And when we end service, you can help us like pick up our chairs and put everything away. I mean, because we got to pack it all up and leave. We got, we got a red, white, and boom that's coming up here. I mean, we need plenty of people to serve. So if this is one that you're like, man, we can make it so easy for you right here, right now, you can serve. <laughs> Little plug there. So I figured I'd throw that in there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. We got a few verses, then we're going to end. I love what it says in Galatians. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Do not use your freedom to satisfy your sinful desire. Some people do that. They're like, I'm free. I'm, I'm in Jesus. I can do whatever I want. And they do. <laughs> he says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Ooh, I love that verse. I love that verse. Matthew chapter 23, verse 16. Jesus, this is one of the reasons why I serve, because I want to be great. <laughs> the greatest among you will be your servant. I used to look uh, uh, over, there was a, a guy, his name's Francis, over in South Toledo. And, uh, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, he just... Uh, behind the scenes and all this other stuff. I say, Francis, I see him walking. I'm like, you're the greatest because you're the greatest servant. People think the pastor is the greatest person. That doesn't know. That, no. The greatest is the servant. So whoever, so whoever, so you guys can fight amongst yourselves. Who's doing the most? Who's sitting next to Jesus? Who's doing the most? I'm the greatest. You know, I mean, the, the disciples were, were, you know, they were doing that. They were like, I want to sit at your right. I want to sit at your left. And they even sent in their mama and, uh, you know, <laughs> sent in their mama to talk to Jesus. Can one of my sons sit at your right and left? And it's not about all that. He said, the greatest among you be a servant. You want to be great? Be like a child. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm being silly, but, but it is true. Scripture, you know, if you want to be great, you got to be a person that's willing to be served. And what's so funny is when you actually look at the, the Greek, what that word servant actually means, when you translate it, it actually means slave. So nobody wants to be a slave, right? But Jesus said the greatest among you will be like a slave. <laughs> Dang! Oh, especially for those of us that don't like serving. It's just Scripture hurts our feelings. <laughs> Final verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 19 through 13. I just love, I love how Paul kind of like, he's going to put like all of these little like quick, quick things. He's going to go boom, 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 boom. I just love how he, how he does this in Romans 12. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Yes, Lord, help me. Next verse. 
Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. It's basically saying serve. Be a servant. Be a servant for all. Friends, and you will be a pillar in the kingdom of God.